no way I can handle a cage, man. I don't care. You gotta go down. It's gotta be that way. Johnny Utah gets this guy, right? Good for you. That's real good. You're gonna be a big hero now. But look at it, Johnny. Look at it! This is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, man. Just let me go out there. Let me get one wave before you take me. One wave. I mean, where am I gonna go, man? Cliffs on both sides. I'm not gonna paddle in New Zealand. My whole life has been about this moment, Johnny. Come on, compadre. Come on. When your baby leaves you all alone and nobody Cause you're on the phone Don't you feel like I'm crying Don't you feel like I'm crying For here I am, honey Come on, you're crying me Good afternoon, uh, good evening, good morning, and welcome to episode number 123 of Dude and the Monkey. My name is Ian Loring, and as always, I am joined by... And Matt Foster. Hello, guys. Indeed. And um, it's a bit of a weird one, this, because we've already recorded most of the show, um, but the this, this bit we haven't yet. So we recorded most of the show on Sunday, but we haven't done the intro and we haven't done the main review because Mark hadn't seen The Man From U.N.C.L.E. yet, which is the film we're reviewing this week. The box office smash, uh, the the hot film right now that everyone wants to hear about, The Man From U.N.C.L.E. Um, and uh, then we're going to talk about some what we watched. We talked about a few things on there, didn't we? We did indeed, yeah. Um, For a long time, actually. It's been quite a long time. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was about an hour and a half, wasn't it? Yeah. So this bit will probably be about a half hour or so. So it's a longer show than usual, which is uh, which is nice, I suppose. Well, I'm assuming it'll be a longer show. We haven't recorded all of it yet. So we're, we're in a time vortex here, um, and it's very odd. Um, like, we're going to talk about it next week, but Mark has now seen Trainwreck. Yeah, I have. When we recorded the first bit, he hadn't seen Trainwreck. Nope. <laughs> so at the moment, I like... So in, in kind of the time of this podcast, you'll be going back. You'll be going back in time to a time where Mark hasn't seen Trainwreck. Yep. We are now we are now in a post Mark seeing Trainwreck universe. Whereas later on in the show, we'll be in the pre Mark seeing Trainwreck universe. It's 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 all it's like a fucking Wachowski Brothers film without the bondage. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, not uh, mine, anyway. No, no, no. I mean, I can't. I, I, the Mark tricks. The match. <laughs> Look, they might make that. I think that might have to be the episode name. <laughs> yeah, I think it might do. Yeah. Mark tricks. 
Nice. Um, so, um, has anything happened since we recorded two days ago? No. If it, has, if it has, I fucking missed it. <laughs> People are getting their knickers in a twist about Colin Trevorrow doing Star Wars Episode Nine. Yeah, I think that even though I think that was announced before we even recorded the bit that's on later in the show. But why? Why? I don't understand that because wasn't. Wasn't Jurassic Park really quite good? Well, a lot of people don't like Jurassic World. A lot of but people it, are cunts. I mean, but I mean, no, true. But I, I don't know. It's weird because no one seems to be acknowledging the fact that he does actually have one other film under his belt as well. Like no one's talking about Safety Not Guaranteed, um, which is a perfectly good film. And Jurassic World for me and for you was a perfectly good film. I think it's it's weird because you've got. Like fanboy favourites, J.J. Abrams, who, to be fair, is coming off of the worst film of his directorial career, Star, Star Trek Into Darkness, yeah. at least in my opinion. You know, And you've got uh, Ryan Johnson as well, who himself has only made three films. So, he, you know, he's only made one more than Colin Trevorrow. And there's an argument, I think, to suggest that, 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 um, that Ryan Johnson's only made one properly great film yeah a lot of, there are people who don't like looper the brothers bloom is not a good film i, I have a soft spot for the brothers bloom but I, I i i agree that i wouldn't be able to argue with you that it is a good film but i do have a soft spot for it but i can i wouldn't be able to put across the it's a good film argument. yeah yeah no 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 quite i mean the thing is i'm not against any of these people directing these films i don't have an anti uh Rian johnson agenda um it, it's just it's weird that people are crit- criticising Colin Trevorrow when, you know, he's not really not a million miles away from at least Rian Johnson. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I don't know as well. I mean, there's a question of how much directorial vision is really needed on a Star Wars film. It's a fairly basic stylistic template. It's, you know, there's an argument made about Marvel Studios films where a lot of people say none of them are excellent, but none of them are absolute bollocks as well. They are a, a, a solid level of good. Some people see Marvel Studios films as. And it, like, because Marvel Studios won't let the films be terrible, but they won't let them be truly unique and stand out either. Um, it kind of feels like that could be the case with Star Wars as well. Um, you know, it, it's like Luke, Lucasfilm with Disney are so so much behemoths that they can't afford to have a Star Wars film that is generally considered to be bad. So, they're, they're, so there's so many there's so many cooks in the kitchen that it's like it feels like the director is kind of just one of those cooks. He's he's the guy to blame if it all goes wrong. Essentially, yes. You know, yeah. if it goes right, then you know they, they get a bit of reflective glory. But it's it will be the well, of course it was good. You know, it's a Star Wars film. Uh, but if it goes wrong, it'll be well. You know, I don't think Colin really got the ethos that we were looking for or anything like that. So I, I don't. It, it seems a strange thing. You'd be from a director's point of view. Um, Especially a, a, as you say, young director, a uh, an up and coming director, you'd be fucking crazy to turn around and go. Do you know what? Actually, no, I I, I, I don't think that I have uh, the experience or anything quite yet to to take on a Star Wars film. You'd be fucking nuts to do that. And you know, it, it's it, it's going to go down on a CV. It, it, it's a big coup to be thrown, kind of that 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 kind of bone on, on there. Um, so. 
I, I can't really understand what, what people's issue is. It's kind of like, who do you want to direct it? It's a genuine question. Who do the people want to be directing these films? Fuck, right, all right. Do you want to get, I don't know, um, Joe fucking Carnan, favourite of the podcast, do you want him to direct a Star Wars film? Of course not, it'd be fucking ridiculous. You know, you've got to look at it and say, right, what's the right kind of, you know, director we're looking for? Did he do a good job with uh, Jurassic World? The film made a fuckload of money. Yeah, That's yeah. what their studio are looking at. Yeah. Handled the property really, really well. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that, I mean, again, you know, this is subjective. We both happen to like Jurassic World. So, you know, if, if people have got opposing points of view, we'd love to hear them. Dude and the monkey at gmail.com, at dude and the monkey, at Ian Loring, at dude you know, we'd love to hear them genuinely. And maybe we can talk about it next week if pe- people are bothered enough to talk about it. You know, that'd be fine. Um, it, you know, it, it, he's got experience with CG and effects. Um, he's got experience with big actors. He can handle, a fairly ensemble cast. There's a lot of main actors in Jurassic World. Um, you know, it just... Jurassic World was a good stepping off point. I mean, like, you take... Yes, the Star Wars anthology films aren't as big a deal, frankly. But you take Gareth Edwards. He went from monsters, low-budget as shit, like safety not guaranteed, to Godzilla, effects-filled blockbuster, like Jurassic World. And now he's doing a Star Wars film as well. It's the same trajectory, so I understand your argument if it's like Jurassic World was directed badly, therefore, why is he doing this? But the fact that people seem to be saying he doesn't fit the checklist of previous work in order to qualify for a Star Wars film. And to be fair, he, he kind of qualifies more than Rian Johnson. Looper does have some effects work in there. Not a hell of a lot. The thing is, I, I, don't, I don't get what what, what checklist people could be working off? It's it's the there's, a, only... film, there's a film you're creating a film universe here um, with these Star Wars films, right? So and you wanting them all to be um, part of of a universe. So you're not going to go out and get a fucking auto director to, to to go and get it. You know, even to an extent, I don't think you could argue that J.J. Abrams is an auto director at all. He's a very, very steady and very, very capable director of doing what he does. You know, you can't go out and get somebody who wants to have all-seeing fucking control over it, who has a massive body of work, who is going to go, I want to make my Star Wars movie. They don't want you to make your Star Wars movie. They want you to make their Star Wars movie competently, deliver it on fucking time, and be sure that it is going to be steady enough to make the right amount of money and not be not great. They don't care if it's a fucking, if it's a masterpiece, if it's a 9 out of 10. They just don't want it to be anything lower than a fucking 7 out of 10. Yeah, that's exact. That's exactly it. And like, if it gets critical kudos, then all the better for it. But they're not super, super bothered about it. I mean, that's what it is in the end of the day. So yeah. they'd be fucking mortified, uh, Disney and, and Lucasfilm, if Quantumbro delivered a nine out of ten movie, um, or even a fucking nine and a half out of ten movie, and then it didn't make enough money. But if they delivered a fucking six out of ten movie and it still made shitloads of money, they'd be, eh, well, you know. Fuck it, we move on to the next one. It's why Tarantino didn't do Casino Royale. You know, like that he what that, that he had had talks with Eon Productions, and he was just like, "Look, 
they're not they're, they're not going to let me do what I want to do, so I'm out. He, he, Tarantino wanted to make it and said, I want to make a Bond movie, but I don't want to be constricted by the idea of a, a, a 12A. Okay, I might I might deliver a 12A movie to you, but I don't want to commit to delivering a 12A movie to you. Yeah, exactly. exactly. I mean, it, it's there's a certain breed of directors who will do Star Wars films, and they are they are the Colin Trevorrows of, of, of the world. And that's fine. That's fine. You know, it's just they, they are what these films are. There are all sorts of types of films requiring all sorts of different directors. Star Wars are a group of films where you need someone, like you say, can handle the budget, can handle actors, get some shit done on time, and you know, un, on or under budget, done. That's it. I mean, to be fair, they don't need a George Lucas who wants to pioneer new technologies and spend... exactly what they don't want. Yeah, and spend weeks faffing about instead of actually talking to the actors about the performances they're giving. They, you know, they need someone who who could generally make everybody from the bean counters to the set dresses happy. Yeah, and somebody where if they turn around and go, oh, uh, by the way, we want to put X blah person uh, in... In, in your movie, they are going to go. Hmm. Oh, I was kind of thinking of this guy for it. They're just going to go, all right, and that'll be it. Yeah, you know, it's it just it seems like I think what they're doing is they're, they're, they're throwing so much at this this universe that hasn't actually kind of been this version of the universe, this new idea of the universe, this this rebirth of it. Um, we haven't even got the first film yet. Yet already we've got all of these films on the horizon. And it, it kind of like, maybe they need to, I, know, I, I get what they're doing. They're trying to keep the name. They're trying to build this momentum and keep it in everybody's mindset so that when it's released, it's, fuck, here we go, here we go. You don't need to do that with Star Wars. It's already there. Uh, what they're in danger of doing is creating already the the idea of when this one finishes, people going, so what about that guy? Who's going to direct that guy's movie? And where's that guy's character going? And, and all that. And it, it ends up being people aren't fucking talking about the movie. They're talking about what the movie means in four movies' time. Yeah, that's exactly it. Uh, but yeah, anyway, Colin Trevorrow don't have a problem with it. You know, I, I, it's not my universe, and I, I, have, I have very little stake in it. But I think people are just people are just looking for an issue where there's no issue. Uh, and fuck, man, I'm going to be nearly 35 by the time that fucking film comes out, and I only just turned 31. So. Yeah. Fuck it. I'll be, I'll be, I'll be nearing 30, 37, so. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, whatever. Anyway, The Man from Uncle. It's di- uh, are you ready? Uh, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, it's directed by Guy Ritchie, stars Henry Cavill, Army Hammer, Alicia Vikander, Deborah Lipnicki, I think Elis- her name is. Elizabeth. Elizabeth Lipnicki. Okay, fine. And uh, Hugh Grant. Uh, adaptation of the 60s TV series. Um, you've got. Henry Cavill was the American, Army Hammer as the Russian, Alicia Vikander as the girl, um, and uh, they have to team up to uh, spoil a plot by a nefarious millionaire lady played by Elizabeth Lipnicki. Um, Mark, what do you think of The Man from Uncle? Well, I was really, really, really not looking forward to this one. Like, really, because I just, I didn't like the trailers at all. I, I, I know you're, you've been going through this, uh, this, uh, this Bondish thing and rewatching all the Bond movies. 
Um, and you know this, you know, Guy Ritchie has come out and said that this this has that kind of sixties or seventies Bond aesthetic, and that was what he was he was kind of like going for. Um, Richie also, I haven't watched a Guy Ritchie movie since the last one Guy Ritchie movie I watched was, I think, Swept Away, uh, which sort of shows how much I kept up this fucking career. Um, I, it, it's really good. It's nice. a really, really entertaining, fun film. Uh, stylish as fuck. Um, the, the, the stars of the show are um, John Matheson, the, the cinematographer, um, and Guy Ritchie, who seems unbelievably sort of confident in, in what he's in what he's doing. Uh, the cast are all great. Um, Alicia uh, Vikander's uh, accent aside, which seems to just float around every fucking where. Um, yeah, but there's. What, we'll get to it soon. What he does with the action is ridiculous. I think it's really, really interesting. Uh, it's it, if you're nitpicking, it's a touch too long. But I'm talking maybe ten minutes. But it's still pacey as fuck. Um, I, I yeah, I I think there's there's there's, it, there's little to kind of pick at it. It's a really fun ride. Nice. Um, yeah, I. I was a big fan of this. Um, I agree, it's a touch too long. I think the third act is the weakest act. Yeah. Um, you know, the the climactic action, I remember nothing but the music. Um, Daniel Pemberton, I, his score, and the choice of like um, of uh, other pieces of music yeah. as well, I think is really well done. I've been listening to their soundtrack on Spotify. Oh, is it on Spotify? I, yeah. I also be listening to it. Yeah, it's fantastic. Just like, the kind of like the... The kind of like almost like jazz flute kind of pipe work going on in it, and then the the kind of almost Ennio Morricone kind of ah, yeah, yeah, kind of stuff. It, it's, it's almost kind of like even at points intentionally uh, almost some fucking sort of jello esque um, yeah. fucking vibes in there, which is really really nice. It, it's you can tell it, it, it's you can tell it's being made by a guy who fucking loves his cinema and knows his shit. There's so many beats where you go, oh, that's nice. The, the, the fucking, the Bond nod, it, it, it is just, oh, that's good. I like that. Mm. Yeah, I mean... That's, that's the, with the, 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 the numbers on the door was so... Oh, 707. Or, yeah, and, and the yeah. fact that it's the Bond 7 as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it is just a great deal of fun. I was looking, I, I was looking forward to it anyway and, um, it was it was my birthday film this year, and I was very very pleased with it. Last year, my birthday film was The Rover, um, so it was <laughs> a step up this year, frankly. Um, and um, yeah, I just it it's stylish as all hell, like you say, like the kind of like the the split screeny type stuff they're doing with it, and there are shades of Soderbergh as well, who was going to do it originally. Just like there's a lot of kind of long lens stuff. And then kind of zooming in on things, which I, I really enjoyed as well. Um, but just the balls of of Richie as well. Yeah. Like one of the standout scenes is Henry Cavill eating a sandwich, watching Army Hammer. This is this is my point about the action. <laughs> yeah, go on. This is my point. The action. It, it's it's wonderful because it's almost like Guy Ritchie has sat and he's watched a lot of this type of movies that have been happening um, over sort of like the past. Sort of maybe ten years. So you know you've got the the Mission Impossible movies, 
are ones that you could throw out there. Um, you got the you know the Transformers movies and all those you know the, the big you know summer blockbuster movies and it's gone. They're all two and a bit hours long, and you get so much action. One of my big complaints about some of the the, the Marvel movies, for instance, as being um, it, I don't I don't need to watch Tony Stark fly around in the Iron Man suit for 25 minutes, the same, essentially the same shot, just flying by different buildings. Sure. So what he's done is he's done something really interesting, where he's gone, here you go, here's an action scene, here is, and remember guys, we're all spoilers all the time, here is an action scene where Army Hammer is being chased on a boat, we're not going to show you that, that's in the fucking background, we're going to show you Henry Cowell eating a fucking sandwich, which like you say, is glorious, whilst he's watching all of that. Later on, do you know what we're going to do? The big fucking burst where they're going to go and they're going to rescue the girl. We're going to show it as a fucking montage with split screen. Yeah. Boom! It's yeah. It's just, it's so refreshing to watch a director go, fuck it. You know what? You know what? I- I've got the money to make this movie. I- I'm I'm not making movies for-, for money anymore. I've got fucking loads. Madonna gave me fucking so much money that I'm making movies just... It, just because I want to, and just because I can. Yeah, I mean, th- th- yeah, this is it. It's just a guy who really, really likes cinema. Yeah. Just wants to do these stories on a big canvas and have have a laugh with it. And I mean, just the the thing about that particular scene with Henry Cavill eating the sandwich, it's just the fact that it is actually ridiculous what's going on. Army Hammer is just basically being chased in a circle, <laughs> speedboat. Yeah. And every now and then, like you just see in the reflection, just like an explosion, <laughs> and it's it's just it's glorious. It's, it's fucking it's one of my scenes of the year. It's fucking amazing. You know what? This film has has two of my scenes of the year um, in it. And that that's one of them. Three actually. I, 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 I'm the more I'm talking about, the more I'm going. I'm, I'm a little bit in love with this movie. Yeah, I I, I am. Um, the other one um, is the Lisa Vikanda, um, uh, where she starts dancing behind. Yeah, fantastic. And, and she's not; she's in soft focus behind, and and he's in you know it, it, he's the main focus. You've got uh, Amy Hammer's the main focus of the screen, and it's that, and it's the fact that she disappears and comes back with the glasses on, and it's just there's that one and the um, Henry Cavill uh, when he's been drugged and he lays down. And she said, what are you you doing? He says, I've been here before and I I fell and I hurt my head. (laughs) Yeah, that's a good line. He lays down down and she lays down next to him. There. On the sofa. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That as a still is just, what a a, a gorgeous shot. And this is a film that is full of absolutely gorgeous shots. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's, and I mean, the thing is, it's, it doesn't feel self-conscious conscious about it whatsoever. It's just having a laugh. The whole thing is just p- dicking about, basically. And it's it, it, it's fantastic. I mean, Hugh Grant is not in it much, but when he is, he's got it absolutely spot on. Yeah. The tone where he just comes on, kind of almost smirking through most of it. And it, it is, it's almost like apologetically going, apologising for being one step ahead of everybody all the time. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I, don't, I just uh, the lines in the trailer as well, but it's like, well, for a special agent, you're not having a very special day, are you? <laughs> just laughing. It's, yeah, and he's like basically laughing at him. It's, it's. It, I mean, it's great. It's great. I mean, 
it is literally just the fact that it is a, t- a hair too long that 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 really ruin uh, doesn't ruin it at all. It just takes it down a notch. Yeah, it, it does. It, it, it maybe just needs. Um, there's, there's a bit where cause I, I think it might not even be that it's too long. It's just the fact that the film is so pacey up to a point, and then it kind of has a little bit in the third act, like you say, where it just kind of gets a bit muddled for uh where it loses that kind of paceness and it just kind of sags a little bit yeah i mean maybe uh, maybe five minutes it might not even be five minutes that needs taking out it, it just it doesn't have the panache for five minutes that the rest of the movies had i don't i mean like it's just it it kind of there's some plot revelations and a, you know like a, a character like you know, her dad comes into it mm-hmm. and then you know, five minutes later, he's basically shot in the head and killed. And it's a little bit, what was the point of that? You've got the Army Hammer bit as well, where he's got the subplot of, like, basically trying to get the guy who stole his dad's watch. Yeah. And it's like, that bit is a bit like, okay, it's a bit of character flavour. Do I really care? Not really. It's, it's, it's all, that's all a device for him to, to gain a, no, I like this guy too much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's, uh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's it's all in service of of that where he gives him the watch at the end. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Um, so I mean, there, there are these little problems, but I mean, uh, Nikki is fantastic. Yes. she is great. She's proper. She's got that uh, like line of alluring, but also dangerous. Yes, she, you yeah. know, you know, she's smarter than most other people in the room. Yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely, and and she she's very well aware of it. Um. She she definitely comes across as she's the most dangerous person in this movie, uh, and you know she just saunters in. That's that's the great thing. She saunters into every fucking scene and just goes boom, yeah, and then delivers it and then fucks off again. It, it's a really really kind of assured performance, and you do you do kind of almost go, do you know what? I wish there was more of it in it, but I also I like the fact that. She doesn't outstay a welcome. She doesn't have the time to go, ah, that don't work. You know, yeah. she, she's got enough there that, that, that she does feel uh, like the right character for that. Um, and the fact that they focus on her and hardly ever focus on her husband, who is supposedly the, what is it? And they, they quite literally at the start say, he's just a playboy idiot. She's the brains of it all. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and that, that never comes into disrepute or anything. It just, it's very. It's very clean with that storytelling. It is just the fact that the third act does get a bit muddled. Even I did, I did like the fact that her uncle did just turn out to be a right bastard. Yeah, like I, I, I quite enjoyed that. Like, you know, she, you know, she's quite close to him and whatnot, and they're, they're, they're having quite a touchy feely relationship at the start, and then it all goes wrong, and he is just a sadistic prick. Yeah. I, 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 I thought that was quite a nice touch. Um, but yeah, I, it it just boatloads of fun. I am really looking forward to watching it again. Yeah, um, me too. Absolutely. It, um, I mean, the two leads are, are, are great as well. Henry, oh yeah, we haven't really talked about him. Yeah. Henry Cavill, um, the voice that he's gone for with it just works so well. Just his cadence and his tone and everything like that. He has absolutely gone. I want to play this cool as fuck. Like yeah. like nothing has bothered me that, that is happening. He never loses cool at at all. And then you, they've gone for the exit. Gone. How can we go the exact opposite with Army Hammer? We'll have him where everything bothers him, and he constantly loses his fucking cool. Lovely flat cap, though. It is, yeah. And they, they, 
they look cool. The whole thing looks cool. It's all about style and the fact that they have arguments about what about style as well. Oh my god, that fucking conversation they have about what she should wear. Yeah. Oh, I forgot about that. That's gold. It's, it's, it's gold, but it, it, it's little things like that. That moment you don't expect it to happen. That kind of lift this film up beyond where it, it could have sat quite quite nicely and still been quite enjoyable. That lifts it up to kind of like a, a higher level. And even the bit where he, he says, that bow tie doesn't work with that outfit. And then walks away. And then the next scene, he's not wearing the bow tie. <laughs> he's wearing a different tie. Just works so, so wonderfully. It, it's a really, I watched this at, um, at 20 past 10 this morning on uh, my, I had a midweek day off, which is an incredible rarity for me. Uh, I watched it at that time. Quite a few people in the screening that I was in. Um, and it was, it just, it, it felt, it felt like a great time to be watching this movie, you know, middle of the day, on a day off, as a little fucking treat to myself. And I sat down and I went, right, I'm not, this. the trailers have done nothing for this movie, but I am, I am in this movie, I am watching this movie, I am set up to enjoy this movie, if this, if this movie wants me to enjoy it. And within a minute and a half, I was... Oh, all right. Okay. This is what this movie is. Do you know what? Fuck it. Yeah. Bring it. Yeah. Even the title sequence, even the Warner Brothers logo. It's yeah. just like, yeah, okay. I, I, I think I'm going to be okay with this. This movie has, has nothing to say to you other than sit down and enjoy the next two hours of your life. Maybe have a Peroni. Yeah. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah. I'm fu- fucking, we're going to Italy next month, and this got me in the mood so fucking hard. It doesn't surprise me at all. I, it's, I, I think you said on, um, I can't this on WhatsApp or on Facebook, that the minute it finished, you could have walked out and then walked straight back in to a sequel. Yep. Exactly the same. And we're never going to get one. Yeah. And that, I'm really, really disappointed about I, that. I, I don't, why has this movie made money? Straight out of Compton, in the US anyway. It just... You know, it, it, that was the pop culture thing of last weekend, I think. Fortunate that, isn't it? And, I, I mean, I, I don't, the thing is, I mean, Warner kind of did it right in terms of the release date. It got far enough away from the other big action films. You know, two weeks away from Mission Impossible. Underestimated straight out of Compton. Yeah, totally. Well, you know, I, th- I think we fucking said three, four months ago that straight out of Compton will make crazy money. Yeah, yeah. I'm looking forward to that. So I, 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 I saw a trailer for it in the cinema for the first time um, today before Man from Uncle, um, and was like, "Holy shit, this is a new trailer!" And it, it was, Christ, they made this movie. That that feels like a movie that should, not should never have been made. It should have been made, but that would never have been made. Yeah. And that it's almost like they've gone. He's really, really rich, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> we, we, we could make this movie because he's really really rich nice yeah yeah I, uh, yeah I mean I, when's that it's next weekend isn't it? it's not this weekend not this weekend next weekend yeah yeah yeah. going up against um, is it Bad Education the movie that's this week is that this week yeah is that a TV series that I don't know about yeah it's a BBC3 thing I think I'd say good, but I'd, I'd be fucking lying. Uh, 
No, we, well, I mean, we say at the end of the show, but we're doing vacation this week, aren't we? We are indeed. <laughs> yeah, I fucking forgot Sinister 2's out. I'd actually rather see Sinister 2, you know but... If you want, I'll happily do Sinister 2. No, 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 no. If you want to do vacation, we'll do vacation, because I think I... <laughs> Becky will, will come and see Sinister 2 with me, whereas she will not come and see vacation with me. Are you serious? Yeah, she will. She fucking will not. <laughs> she's already. She's already fucking said when I looked at the, the vacation post and the what is it? And she went, no, just fucking no. <laughs> are, you, are you like if you want to sit? If you want to watch vacation? Well, I I I say we do Citizen Two. Oh, thank fuck for that. <laughs> oh, thank fuck for that. Oh, it gives me an excuse to rewatch Sinister as well because I only watched that once and it was at Fright Fest and I was pissed and fell asleep. So. <laughs> So, uh, yeah. Cut like halfway through it <laughs> in quite an amusing way and asked no what was going on. Yeah, I think that probably sounds about right, to be fair. <laughs> yeah. All right, cool. So, ignore what we say at the end of the show. We're not doing vacation. Sinister 2, yes. I'm actually. I'm so fucking relieved, Mark. You have no idea. <laughs> I don't. Yeah, well, I'm actually quite looking forward to Sinister 2. Um, so, yeah. Boom. Give that a go. Nice. All right, so um, I'm going to go and watch the United match. Um, Mark's going to do something else. What are you going to do? I'm going to go and make dinner whilst watching the United match and then watch a couple of films. Nice. And I'm uh, and we're going to go forward in time, back in time. Yes, we are. We're going to we're going to spin the old matrix around and and, and, yeah. <laughs> and spew more more loveliness at you. Do you shove the red pill up your ass or the blue pill up your ass? I, I, I shove the red pill up my ass and I shove the blue pill in my ear and hope that everything's all right. Bye, That's good. That's good. <laughs> um, okay, so we are uh, back, kind of, um, even though in reality this is before we've done anything else. Yeah. Uh, which is a bit confusing. So I hope I said at the start of the show that we're going to do trailers after the review this week so it's basically less hassle for editing essentially yeah um and then kind of take it on from there so uh yeah mark we've got a couple of things to talk about i believe um what what have you seen that uh, trailers wise um as it stands now uh, <laughs> I've, i watched one this week i've had an incredibly busy week uh, this week we've been renovating the the shop, so I've been there for like 12, 14 hours a day, every day, um, so I, I've, I've had very sort of little time, although I've watched a few films, which is going to be good, which I'll come to, but I've only got around to watching one trailer, but it, it's for Quentin Tarantino's The Hateful Eight, um, which of course, I'm a huge Tarantino fan, so I'm incredibly looking forward to, uh, and it was nice to get kind of this, this surprise of this trailer just fucking arriving and giving us our first glimpse into um, Tarantino. I suppose it's effectively like his second kind of Western um, he's done. Um, and I, I'm, I'm very, I mean, I, I was always already very up for it, but I'm, I'm a little bit even more up for it because it looks, I was a huge fan of Django to the point of where I actually, I watched it again this week after watching the Hateful Eight trailer. Uh, and I'm a, I, I like Inglourious Bastards, but it's the one I go back to of Tarantino's the least. Uh, by for, for sure, um, but they were they were quite big and quite epic films, and you know they're sprawling. You know, went from this place to this place, and they happened over a period of time, etc. And and this feels a little bit more, you know, it, 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 that we're going to spend a lot of time in a place, 
in a certain place with these characters and these people. It, it feels a little bit more kind of closed. I don't want to say smaller, but a little bit more kind of intimate. It, almost like uh, Tarantino doing a new kind of idea and version of uh, Reservoir Dogs, which has me ridiculously excited. And plus, it, it's an incredible cast. And, you know, you've got Tim Roth returning to working with Tarantino, Michael Madsen, uh, Bruce Dern being given a little bit more to do. And, you know, then you have Kurt Russell again coming to work with Tarantino. And it's always nice to see Kurt Russell in a, you know, in a big film like this and able to kind of... To, to do a Kurt Russell thing, you know, um, and then you know Walter Goggins is there and Jennifer Jason Leigh. I just, I'm, it, it, it's really exciting and it looks absolutely beautiful. Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I, I very much agree with all of that. I mean, it's going to be fascinating to see how he makes use of that super super widescreen. Yeah, in in that in that cabin, I've got a feeling there's going to be a lot of very intricate staging going on um uh, uh, you know where people are in the shot and that kind of thing i think he's going to make full use of the wideness so that whenever it's shown on telly they can't just like can't just crop it or or whatnot you know um i mean i wouldn't be surprised if he's um like uh, woody allen with uh, woody allen with manhattan where he said like you can never ever ever authorise the release of a version of this film that's not in 2.35 to 1. Yeah. You know, uh, I, I kind of wonder if Tarantino is going to do something similar. I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm very intrigued by Jennifer Jason Lee, and there's barely any of her, like, in, I mean, does she say anything? No, she doesn't, which makes me think, ooh, is she going to say anything throughout the entire movie? You kind of get the feeling that, Tarantino, even been himself, wouldn't be able to not give her lines, but it, 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 it's very uh, interesting. Yeah, I wonder if he maybe fancied a bit of a challenge for getting her to express things all through body language and faces. Because I mean, that, that one moment where we're talking about hanging, and then she kind of like does that hanging motion. Yeah, yeah, that's great. I, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's really funny and kind of I don't know, it seems to tell you quite a bit. About a character just from her reaction to like to that and what she does. Mm. Um, I, yeah, I mean, I think that's fucking um, fascinating. Um, yeah, I, I just it's and I mean, was that that bit at the end the uh, the Morricone music? Do we know if that was like a, like a snippet of the original score or if? It was just a, a, a bit from one of his other films or something because I get the impression that this is all original score. This film, like he's getting Morricone to just to just do it all. Yeah, it, it's all all original um, score. I, I think from what I heard was was that was a piece that that may be in the um, film, but that was a bit done for the trailer. Oh, interesting. Okay, uh, I, yeah, which could have been, you know. Grooving Morricone going, look, this is the sort of the sound I'm gonna go for. So, so here you go, have this for the trailer. Like he's watched the trailer and gone, yeah, I'll go for this. Uh, and that that sort of thing might make it in the film, or it might just be a little bit, a, a little snippet of uh, essentially a little score for the trailer, which you know wouldn't surprise you, would it? No, no, absolutely. I, I, yeah, I mean it. I'm I'm very excited for this. It's I'm going like assuming it does actually show in the UK in seventy millimeter. I will go wherever it's playing. Yeah. Um, 
you know, even if it's just a day trip to London or something like that, I, I will. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, it's fascinating. It doesn't say an awful lot about what the, uh, about what the story is, apart from one of these people isn't who they say they are, which yeah. is intriguing. I mean, it's basically what you want from a teaser trailer, and it just it looks. I mean, it looks fantastic. Um, don't have much more to say than that, really. It just it, it looks really, really promising. Yeah, I mean, it's always exciting getting something like a, a Tarantino film because we, we you know we only get one like every you know, three, four years, it's it's something to really kind of look forward to. And like you say, if it's, I, I, I would think it will come to uh, the UK. Tarantino's got a lot of love for the UK um, in 70 mil. Um, whether or not it'll ever venture outside of, of London in 70 mil is, is a different thing. Uh, I know when uh, The Master uh, was on 70 mil, um, that was uh, shown at City Screen in 70 mil. Uh, oh no, it was, it was scheduled to be shown at City Screen 70 mil, and there those issues with the print. Um, so whether or not it, it essentially just like a little tour on 70 mil or something, I don't know. I think I think the master basically just ended up playing that one screen on in the Odeon West End in the end with the with the 70 mil, and then I, I think they had to pull it off after a while because I think to remember hearing. Um, so they basically they basically had to stop. I, I seem to I might be wrong there, but yeah, it's it, it's going to be very interesting to see see what happens there. Just because you know getting that equipment in to your cinema is going to be quite cost, costly, probably take quite a lot of time to set up. And if it's just for the one film, it, there is a question of you know I, I suppose they could just rent it for a bit, but I, I, it's going to be interesting to see what places actually make that effort. Yeah, it's, that's that's what I'm quite hopeful about because I know that the the, the city screen New York is already set up for 70 mil, so that's yeah. that that's why I, I, I'm fingers crossed that maybe if 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 essentially the, you know the distributors go essentially do do a little sort of 70 mil tour and go right, it's going to play 70 mil here, here, and here. You know, they might look at it and say, right, who wants it? And essentially get cinemas, essentially will go, we'll have it, we'll have it, we'll have yeah. it. You know, there's, I, you're not, you're not going to see, for instance, the view in York, uh, which I'm nothing against, uh, isn't going to go, yeah, we'll take it, we'll do that. Because um, it, 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 they, they'd look at it and go, what, what's it going to be? Maybe one, two screenings? Fuck it. The people that we're appealing to anyway, we'll, you know, don't, don't give a shit about 70 mil. They'll come and see it fucking digitally a week later. Um, so that's what you get, but you might with the art house cinemas, you might get some of them going, yeah, fuck it, we want it, we want to have it, because we want to have that post that says The Hateful Eight in 70 mil, um, and get people, mm. like, as into it. But I will, I will Alex, yeah, I'll, I'll happily say to you, right, let's have a fucking day trip out to go and watch The Hateful Eight in 70 mil. For London. Yeah, yeah, no, totally. I mean, that's the thing, if, like, in January, I've just got to go to London on, on a Saturday or something like that, it's fine. Absolutely. I can deal with that, you know. So, um, yeah, cool. But and, and you said that was the only one you watched this week. I, I, I've watched, yeah. Yeah, what, what else have you got? I watched one other. It's the sequel everybody wanted. Everybody wanted this sequel. Ride Along 2. Oh, uh, yeah. Have you seen the fucking poster for that? Yeah, with the, the work. <laughs> I think Noel pointed this out. The worst tagline of all. Yes, it is awful. It just... I mean, Ride Along wasn't a terrible, terrible movie. It, it was, it was watchable in, in a fun kind of way. But yeah, no, who the fuck wanted a sequel? 
Yeah, I mean, it made a lot. It did, it did really, really well in the US. I think it came out in like January and just cleaned up. Um, so you've you've got that, and uh, this time you got um, Ken Jeong in there as well in, in in a somewhat prominent role by the looks of it. Yeah. Um, Ride Along cost twenty five million dollars and made one hundred and fifty four million. That's that's fucking that's made money. It's, is that worldwide? Yeah, worldwide. Is that worldwide or just the US? Worldwide. Yeah. Which is so I think it did over a hundred mil in the US alone. Um, but then I just didn't travel as well. No. Um, but I mean, then again, I mean, like Christ, that's kind of a rare case these days of a film doing better in the US than overseas because mm. it's usually very, very much the other way around these days. But um, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, like uh, with with how well straight out of Compton's doing so far as well, it kind of feels like Ice Cube's going to get heat on him um, from a film point of view as well. And uh, I it looks. Like the, the dynamic looks like it's going to be exactly the same. Um, this time, Ice Cube's disapproving, because, uh, like just because I don't know, he's still disapproving. It doesn't look like there's any development there whatsoever. It just it 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 looks like one I will watch when it comes out on VOD or something like that on Netflix, and will just make. A hundred million dollars in the in the US, and will probably be forgotten about shortly after. Um, I, I, the, the trailer looks fine. It's just it's ride along too. Yeah, yeah, it is. That's 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 it exactly. It. <coughs> you know, I mean, like I don't know. You may as well just have a two minutes of text on screen saying "ride along too" coming January twenty sixteen because dot dot dot. Why not? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just. <laughs> Yeah, you know, it, 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 there's just there's there's very little point in conjuring any kind of enthusiasm for it. But I know I'll probably watch it when I want to watch something undemanding. So you know, yeah. there's that. Yeah, that that that's it. I, I know, like I say, I, I know I'll end up watching it at, at some point, but it'll be ah, uh, fuck it, why not? <laughs> yeah, it'll be something I'll watch when I have no time to decide, and it and. The tile happens to be on that movie on Netflix from from new releases, and I've just made something to eat, and I go, ah, bollock. Fuck it, why not? Yeah. 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 So uh, ride along too. There you go. Um, Okay, so we are gonna get into some what we watched, and uh, I could I could see this taking a little while, uh, which is fine, which is all good. So um, let's let's get cracking. Uh, Mark, what have you got for us? Um, I'll, I'll, I'll do the ones that I've talked about before on the show, just to say, just for pure getting them out of the way. Uh, this uh, rewatched uh, the voices, which is the uh, which is the film that I, I thoroughly enjoyed when I first watched it earlier on this year, um, and I still really enjoyed it on second watch. Uh, it's, it's darker actually on second watch. You start picking up other sort of really quite dark elements within the film um, more uh, on, on repeat watch, uh, but I still really like it. It's still one of my my favourite films of the year, um, just because it, it, it took me completely by surprise. Um, so it's still a, a thorough recommend of The Voices. Uh, also, we watched, uh, after watching the 8th Late trailer, we watched uh, Django Unchained, um, which I st- still... It still... It, it's, I'm toying it between it and Dogs as being my, my favourite Tarantino. Um, it's... I just I'm always astounded when I watch Django Unchained about the 
the pace that it just flies by at. Um, I mean, it, it's two hours, 45 minutes long, and it just fucking it pelts by um, so quickly, and it's so intense, and you realise that the majority of it is quite simply people sat talking, uh, which is which is incredible for, for, for that amount of time to, to feel that tense and, and wonderful. It's it's a, just such a, a magnificent film. And, you know, Tarantino ended Inglourish Bastards with the, you know, I think this might be my masterpiece line. And I, I genuinely think that Django Jane might be his, his absolute masterpiece. Um, it just gets better every every time I watch it. Um, something that... I'm I, I, I just going to... Oh, sorry. No, go on. Hello? No, I mean, I was just going to say, like, I'm going to I'm gonna go back through... I, I went back through all the Tarantino films before Django. Yeah, can you hear me? Yeah, can you hear me? Yeah. Um, I went through all the Tarantino films before Django, and um, I'm going to do the same again leading up to Hateful Eight. And I'm kind of... I'm fascinated to see what, what happens there. Um, just because... Like my kind of my 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 order of favourites with Tarantino tends to shift yeah a bit, but like well at least the order does. Like I, I think Inglorious Bastards at the moment is my personal one. Um, I really I really like I, I really really like the the kind of the number of plots that are going on in that film and how they all coalesce. It's um, like the fact that it's not specifically following one person yeah which i mean apart from what like death proof and pulp fiction th- i mean that's not really the case i mean with reservoir dogs it's basically about tim roth and harvey Keitel, and, and the, yeah. the rest are just dressing but jackie brown is about jackie brown kill bill is about uh the bride yeah. you know um it and Django is obviously about Django, and um i don't know i mean it was weird as well that you know will smith turned it down and said that he didn't think that Django was kind of the star of the film. He, he, he thought that it was Christoph Waltz was the uh, the star of the film. Christoph Waltz? Yeah. Yeah, and I don't know. I mean, I don't seem to remember that being the case. I mean, how does that kind of jive now? Um, it's not. It, it, it's, it's Django's film, absolutely. Uh, something that I think um, yourself and... Brad, I want to say Brad, yourself and Brad uh, mentioned about it, where it, it almost feels a little bit like a like a superhero origins uh, film almost. Um, totally. And and it you you know you are absolutely one hundred percent right. Uh, and the more I watch it, the more you pick out and you go, it is that 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 that's this moment of a superhero movie. That's when he becomes blah. You know, there's the you know the ridiculousness of you know finding his first you know his first incarnation of his costume and it not being right and then going to a different one and settling in that and then you've got the the learning from the master and everything like that and then you've got all of these these bits that, that yeah I, you know knowing um tarantino's uh, predilection towards superheroes um it absolutely comes in in this it's 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 certainly a, a brilliant way to look at it and i think that it absolutely is because also within that you've got these larger than life almost like you say, carrot book characters, comic book characters in um, Calvin Candy and um, Stephen, the, the Samuel L. Jackson character, anything like that. And there's just the more you watch it, the more you pick up bits. And the 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 scenes of um, of Kerry Washington being essentially tortured or whipped 
Egypt and put out the hot something like that. They are properly fucking, you know, nasty and gnarly and cruel bits uh, within this movie. It's it's such a well balanced movie, and you've got all these all these great performances in it. But it it always you you always are very well aware of the fact that you're watching a Tarantino movie, which I think is one of the great things of Tarantino is the fact that. His his imprint is all over them, um, and and it is if you are a fan of of Tarantino movies, that's that's what you want out of them, and, and it really is just a joy to watch every time I watch it. Very nice. I'm really really. I've only seen Django Unchained twice, and I'm really really looking forward to rewatching it, and it, especially because it's going to be more towards the time that Hateful Eight comes out, and. Django, I just remember, like, it, I, I kind of associate that film kind of with winter, both with, like, part of the part of the film, but also just because when I went to see it in the cinema, it was um, the kind of the winter a few years back where it just seemed to be snowing constantly yeah. throughout January. And um, I just, like, just, I, I have it completely associated in my mind with winter, so and I, it just it feels like wrapping myself up in a nice snuggly Tarantino blanket for a few hours, uh, and uh, yeah, I'm I'm fucking pumped. Cool. Yeah. Well, what I'll do is I'll I'll, I'll, I'll fire back across to you, and then when we come back to me, I've got some um some, some new stuff that I've not talked about before. Uh, all three actually that I've got to talk about later on actually are, are new films that I've never watched before. Oh, nice. Okay, cool. Well, I mean, I think I think I've got like four films to talk about this week, so I'll, I'll kick it off with a new one. Actually, um, Cameron Crowe's latest, um, Aloha. I've not watched it yet, but yeah. I, I mean, I'm a huge Cameron Crowe fan, and I'm a huge Cameron Crowe apologist, so I, <laughs> I have a feeling I might have to do a lot of apologising for that one. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. It's going direct to like um, like DVD and video on demand in the UK. Cinema release got cancelled a couple weeks back. Hmm. Um, yeah, just because of how badly it did in the US, basically. Um, so, yeah, story uh, is uh, Bradley Cooper plays an ex-soldier who now works for a kind of communications giant, uh, the, the head which is played by Bill Murray. Um, he is going to Hawaii, where he used to live, for a week to try and get the blessing of a local Hawaiian leader uh, to basically let them launch a rocket, uh, which the communications guy wants to kind of send up. Uh, and apparently you have to get the Hawaiian uh, leader's permission for this. And uh, Cooper is kind of working for, uh, for this communications uh, guy, but, he it's also like a military project as well um so danny mcbride's like a friend who's assigned to basically look after him and alec baldwin's like the the chief um so you've got this going on uh but also um his uh bradley cooper's ex played by rachel mcadams is there um and she's having a tough time with her husband woody played by john krasinski in a almost silent role uh which is interesting um and um there's some ooing and ahhing about hmm is one of the kids actually bradley cooper's kid um and then also 
uh, you've got Bradley Cooper forming a relationship with uh, the uh, the kind of the woman who's assigned to look after him, played by Anna Stone, um, who is explained early on in the film is a quarter Hawaiian, um, which is a bit of a stretch, um, and it kind of feels weird that that she is taking her Hawaiian heritage very seriously when she's Emma Stone, but um, Emma Stone is actually pretty good in this, and she kind of manages to pull it off just through likability alone, really. Mm. Um, so, this film's really messy. It's really messy. It it doesn't know what it wants to focus on. And the last couple of minutes, the last scene, is almost like it, it, it's taking it very, like, this is supposed to be very serious and it's a very important emotional moment. But the film hasn't cared enough about that element of its plot up until this point for it to really be pulled off as the end, like the the last moments of the film. Um, it feels like a film that's kind of gotten away from Cameron Crowe a little bit. Um, it, it, I wonder if he just had an extra few months in the edit, whether he could have done something with it, or maybe I don't know. I mean. The thing is, I mean, it came out, I think, in like May in the US and it, it isn't a particularly summary film. Um, so I, I, I can't think that he had to make a release date or something like that because, you know, they could just push it back. But maybe he did. But but I don't know. Maybe this is what he wanted to do. Um, it's it's just it chucks a lot of balls in the air and it doesn't really catch any of them particularly satisfyingly um i mean um bradley cooper's character's also got a, like a, a lot of emotional baggage going on at least at the start of the film and he's very uh like taciturn and barely wants to talk to emma stone's character and at times they're having kind of meet cute type stuff and then at other times he's an arsehole and the film kind of flitters back and forth between like what me- like mode of bradley cooper we're actually seeing um, also, I mean, like Rachel McAdams and John Krasinski, they barely have any screen time together. And you're supposed to believe that their, their kind of marriage is in trouble, but you don't really see an awful lot of evidence about that. Um, I, it's also very Cameron Crowe. There's, <laughs> there's a lot of music in the film and there's one brutal sequence, um, brutal um, involving a satellite and some music, which I can't believe no one said to him, what? <laughs> Why? Stop it. Think about this again. That's a bad Cameron Crowe. Oh, um, bad. It's, it's just like, it, I mean, it barely makes any I will say, at that moment, it's Bradley Cooper doing something with a satellite and there's music involved. When you watch that, just think, at what point in, in the film leading up to that have we ever, ever, ever had the impression that Bradley Cooper could do what he's doing? Um, and just what actually happens? It's like Crow is trying to make some profound statement about what music can do or something, but it just completely comes from nowhere. And it I don't know. It's it's a whole mess of ideas all just 
spunked into a film. But the, but the thing is, it's watchable. Um, the performances are all good. The the writing lets them, or the editing maybe lets them down. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it it is a really easy watch. Um, but if it had if it had either gone lighter and just been an out and out comedy and played up those aspects, or if it had gone more serious and played up those aspects, then I think it could have been better than what you've got here, which is very, I don't really know what I'd want to do with this. Uh, And um, it's a shame. It's a shame. Um, It kind of feels like the film, film world as a whole has kind of gotten away from Cameron Crowe a bit. And he, he likes, he likes what he does. And, I mean, I don't know. You 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 watch a film like uh, Almost Famous or The Entitled Cut, pref- uh, preferably, and you've got something there which feels somewhat timeless, and it's deal- dealing with very universal themes, and it all comes together as a whole. And it, it kind of feels like he's been trying to recapture that since. Um, and what you've got here is is the work of a man who just isn't quite grasping what he wants to what he wants to say now or how to say it um and it's a shame i didn't want to pile on it because it has been rather piled on and there are things to like about it and like i say it's a really easy watch and there's a sequence with bill murray dancing with emma stone which is really fun and you just you you're just like yeah bill murray could totally fuck emma stone like just in real life i think um and, and you know that's that's gold. It just it doesn't. I'd, I'd be fascinated to see what you think, just as someone who's more of a fan of his. Than I'll, I'll definitely be watching it. Uh, like I say I, I'm one of the few people in the world who actually you know finished watching Lizard of the Town and went, I enjoyed that. You know, I would never claim it's a great movie, but but I I got enough out of it that, that I needed to. You know, I seem to remember enjoying Elizabeth Town. To be fair, yeah. I only watched it once, but it, yeah, it, 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 it was it. You know, I, I I enjoyed it. Um, you know, we bought a zoo. Was it was it was was pretty much what you just described. A lot of art to be. It was a bit of a mess, but it was quite floaty and light, and you know, it, it was very very easy to to watch. Uh, and I, I, you get that a lot of times uh, with with Cameron Crowe. He, he can often be quite easy to watch because he's he, you know his films are you know fucking racial heritage or whatever people were whinging about with the Emma Stone thing aside, um, they're, they're fairly inoffensive. They're not, you know, there's no nastiness to them. They're, they're quite, they're, they're, they're always best intentioned, we'll say. You know, there's, there's a lot of going on, on in them. Not, not a lot of, you know, nastiness or anything going on with them. Everything seems to be people dealing with people, etc. And they're quite flirty. Oh, there's a bit involving subtitles towards the end as well, where if you are not into this film, I would imagine could make your brain itch. <laughs> there, there are just there are things that Crow does here where it's like, dude, you are not helping yourself. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So the music satellite thing and the subtitles. If if you're into the film, I'm sure you're fine with it, and you probably find it charming. If not, oh. I was I was very yeah I 
we'll have more of a discussion once you've seen it. Yes, I'll be I'll be watching it probably at some point this week. I might even watch it on Tuesday. Um, before I um, uh, swing it back to you, I'll uh, just say I watched The Man with the Golden Gun, uh, continuing my uh, my Bondathon. I think I'm in film eight now or nine, so only about a dozen or so to go. Uh, actually, more than that before uh, Spectre. Um, how many weeks away are we from that now? We're about three months. I think. Three months, yeah. Just under three months. Just over three <coughs> months. Yep. So, yeah, I've got to watch slightly more than one a week to actually do it all before. That's doable. Um, but, yeah, it's Roger Moore kind of settling into the role a bit more. Um, it's interesting because in this one, it, it, like he, there is a reason why he's kind of going after the guy. But there's not some grand plan to take over the world. Um, it's basically a guy who wants to kill Bond basically, uh, Scaramanga, played by Christopher Lee. Um, and it's Bond tracking him down and then, and, and, and kind of where it goes from that. So that there's not a lot of big action sequences here and where they are, they pretty much all directly involve the, the, these two guys. And that's actually pretty interesting. Um, I will say Roger Moore, the kind of couple of kind of Connery-ish ticks that he has in there don't really quite pull off. I think after this, he kind of just completely does his own thing. But there's a there's a bit where he's kind of like uh, interrogating a girl, and uh, she says, "Oh, you're hurting um, you're hurting my arm," and uh, he says, "I'll break it." And it kind of feels like something Connery would have said and would have been like, "Yeah, he means that." Coming out of Roger Moore, it's like, no, you wouldn't. <laughs> you just probably give her a bit of a slap and a tickle or something. And it's, I, I yeah, it doesn't quite work. But um, yeah, uh, it's good. Uh, it's mental. Um, Herve Villachey is in there as Scaramanga's assistant, and um, Scaramanga seems to like give people an obstacle course involving funhouse mirrors and a, a saloon shootout thing, which is uh, quite. It's agreeably nuts. Uh, at, at points, uh, this one. Uh, we'll also say Brit, Brit Eklund is pretty much useless as a Bond girl. <laughs> barely does, barely does anything. Um, she basically plays a fellow agent who essentially waits the whole film to get fucked by Bond. Um, actually, at, at one point, he actually says to her, "Don't something like, don't worry, darling, it will be your turn soon." And it's just like. Wow! Oh, it's just every week when you come up with, with, with what, what what's the, the kind of the horrible casual sexism in it, I just go, these just sound horrible. I, yeah, I mean it's it's a straight. I mean to be fair, it, it it's a testament to Connery and more that the, the film away with these things um with because with more it's just like oh you cheeky bastard you know but in a, it almost in a kind of a, a laughing kind of way that like he's that into himself that he says that shit and now you can look back on it and kind of laugh as as almost like a wow that's like in a kind of ironic that's really shit kind of way mm. but yeah if you take that stuff seriously it is offensive and I, you know, I, I, as I've said before, I get why some people are really dead against Bond films. I totally get that. But I, I don't know. I just, I still, 
I'm having fun watching them. That's again, they're really easy watches. You know, and um, I, I, yeah, I mean, it, it's going to be interesting. I, there are a few coming up that I've either never ever seen or barely remember seeing. Um, and it's going to be interesting to see how those go. Octopussy in particular, I don't think I've ever even seen it. Octopussy is one of the ones that I actually think I've seen the most, which would mean I've seen it more than once. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't know. I mean, I just, I'm, you know, I was doing the articles for Film Rant. Obviously, I'm not now, but I'm still enjoying kind of going back through them, to be honest. It'll be, it's not something I'm going to do before every single Bond film, frankly, but um, <laughs> I, I'm enjoying this run through. Cool. Yeah, go ahead. Let's have some new stuff. Cool. Uh, right. Um, I'll get the, the the couple of terrible ones out of the way uh, before I go into the actual, the actual really quite decent film that I watched. Um, I watched with my uh, brunch this morning, uh, 2008 Comedy Adventure, which is a fucking stretch, I'm not going to lie, uh, film Strange Wilderness, uh, which is a Happy Madison movie. Um, oh, yes. So have you seen this? Um, do you know what? I think I have, but I think I was pissed. Yeah, well, that that would make it infinitely better. Uh, it stars uh, Steve Zahn, uh, Justin Long, Johnny Hill, uh, Ashley Scott, Ernie Borgnine's in there. It's also like Alan Cover, you know, the one who's always in anything to do with Adam Sandler. Um and uh, that Peter Dante guy turns up as well, who I assume has a film career because he's friends with Adam Sandler. Because if you go through his career, all he has done Adam Sandler movies. That is the most fucking eat no do out else or throw a bone. And he is terrible. Um, plot of the film is um, Steve Zahn plays a character called Peter um, Golke, uh, who he takes over a nature program called Strange Wilderness uh, over from his uh, father, who used to be the, the host, the writer of it. Uh, and then his father died, and it was a very successful, um, it was a very successful um, TV show. Um, and now, uh, Steve Zahn's character is—he's uh, not got the same kind of interest in it or anything like that. Uh, he's got all of the the pep and everything, but it essentially is just a fuck up who just gets baked and talks crap. Uh, so as great sort of uh, not great, but as lines as stuff um, like um, bears uh, eat and attack over two hundred million salmon every year, um, but salmon attacks attacks on bears are very rare, and things like that. Uh, as Justin Long essentially just playing a, a a complete stoner who says maybe five things that you can actually make out what he's saying throughout it. Uh, Jonah Hill, it, it's, it, it's staggering that only a few years later he was nominated for an Academy Award um, based on this because yeah. he's terrible. It's it, it's 87 minutes long, and I'm not joking. It, it, it felt like I was watching it for a week. If if a single joke in the entire thing lands, I will be I will be surprised. It's... It's just, it's painful to watch how bad this movie is. Um, there's a, a bit in it where Steve Zahn's character actually turns around and says, oh, I need the uh, the cue cards um, for, for the intro. And it's given to him and he goes, it's written on a, on, on a cocktail napkin. And they go, yeah, we wrote it last night when we were drinking. And he's like, all oh, right. 
And it's almost like you go, right, but is that the same cocktail napkin that the script for this fucking film was written on? Because there can't have been one other than stand outside RV and Steve Zahn says something. Because it just jumps from that to that to that. It is... And then at the end of it, I sort of looked up just to sort of see what, you know, what what the fuck happened with this movie. Um, which, incidentally, this movie has a 2% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Now, I don't usually fucking endorse Rotten Tomatoes percentage bollocks, but that's that's high. Um, this movie costs $20 million. Which is insane. <laughs> because nothing happens other than they go and try and find Bigfoot. And that's it. It's it's really, really, really bad. And makes you go... Even Adam Sandler must have looked at this and gone, fucking stretching it with this film. We really are stretching You need to watch Grandma's Boy now. Is, I mean, you said Grandma's Boy wasn't that bad. No, I mean, it's, it's rubbish. But um, I quite... I, I, I don't know. I quite enjoyed sitting through it and I think it's only like an hour and 20 minutes long well that that's that's the one good thing about this is the fact that it's an hour and 27 minutes long uh, so it's not too okay. bad okay. right uh, jumping on to another film uh, that, that I watched um, this this week uh, I decided to watch the Nick Cage film Rage also known as uh, Takarev um, have you seen this one of course I haven't right what I'm going to say is this film only came out last year. Am I okay to spoiler it completely for you? Could not give a shit. Good. I'm really glad you said that. Right. Uh, people, if you want to watch Rage, um, skip past like the next maybe five or so minutes. Um, or, or just fucking don't watch it, <laughs> is what I would say to you. Right. Yeah. Um, the story of Rage is... Nicholas Cage uh, plays Paul Maguire, who is an ex-kind of um, gangster um, who has gone has, has gone legit. Um, the reason why he went legit is because his wife died uh, of cancer and he didn't want to leave his daughter uh, without any parents at all. So he has actually full-blown gone legit. Uh, and he's now working uh, as some kind of um, property developer. Uh, one evening, his daughter goes missing, and, and all kind of clues point towards that she's been kidnapped uh, and then murdered as a revenge against uh, him for, for past crimes. So the, you know, the, the police have no leads, and it, him and uh, two of his, the, the people he's still in contact with, that he's still friends with, that still have links to the, the criminal underworld that he used to be involved in, uh, he basically comes out of retirement um, and changes, and quite literally, quite literally, takes off his suit jacket and puts back on his leather jacket. Quite literally. <laughs> right? <laughs> to go and find out who the fuck killed his daughter. And then what we get, this film's 95 minutes long, right? What we end up, ends up happening is he ends up unraveling all of this war that has been going on between the uh, Irish-American, um, 
crime families and the uh, Russian crime families that are sort of fighting and in this massive war and have been for about the past 20 odd years. And it comes back to the fact that they're at war because of one thing that Nick Cage and his two friends did like 20 years ago, uh, where they, it's incredibly convoluted, this movie, where they stole some money and killed the brother of the head of the Russian crime family and then blamed it on the head of the Irish crime family. And also, by the way, Peter Stormer plays one of the heads of the families. Right? Of course, Peter Stormer is in this. Of course he is. Yep. Sorry, yeah, he plays one of the heads of the families. Guess which one? The Irish. Yes. Oh, my God. What's his accent like? Irish. <laughs> right. Peter Stormer <laughs> plays... Right, a man who sounds like he's from Eastern Europe is playing the head of the Irish Mafia <laughs> and he tries to do an Irish accent and it is wonderful because also as well he's dyed his beard like black for some fucking reason and yeah. he's in a wheelchair um, so yeah so they you know they go around essentially killing members of the Irish um, mafia and members of the Russian mafia to try and find out who the fuck killed his daughter. They can't find out who the fuck he killed his daughter. That nobody seems to know anything. So essentially, what they have to do is they have is, is well, Nick Cage's character decides that one of the two loyal friends that he's had, that he's grown up with all of his life, etc. He must have he must have ratted him out. He must be involved. He must be the one person who knows. So he fucking kills him. The other guy gets killed and ends up admitting to the head of the Russian crime family that it was them that started this massive war. And so it goes back to the head of the Russian crime family, ends up killing the head of the Irish crime family, and all of these things happen. And then do you fucking know what? Do you fucking know what? It turns out his daughter was killed by one of the people that was round at his house by accident when they were playing around with some guns that were in his house. Didn't need any of it at all. That's that's the big twist, is it? All of this was completely pointless and it was literally just an accident. Yes. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And when it it happens, it, it happens and you start to think, wait a minute, shit. Was the kid that was at because the, the daughter is at the house with with two uh, with two of her male friends? You think, shit! Oh my god! Is it that the kid that was round at the house was he the son of the Russian crime brother thing that Nick Cage killed, and he found out so shot the daughter? Oh my god! That's that's what must have happened. Oh no, no! They were just pissed and fucking about the guns and he shot her. Oh, all right. Wow. Wow, that that got out of fucking hand quickly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that escalated quickly. Yeah, none of it, it had any meaning. So Nick Cage essentially has caused more shit to happen between these two crime families. He's he's been responsible for the death of one of his best friends and actually killed the other best friend, and it was all just a fucking accident. Yeah, that sounds like bobbins. Yeah, it is absolutely... It it, it couldn't be any more 
of a of a modern Nick Cage movie. <laughs> mm. Yep. It is it literally is like Nick Cage yeah. read the script, probably while he was pissed, and went, Well this could be my taken. And then made it and it, the guy who directed it, it it's it takes itself so serious as well. Like ridiculously seriously. It thinks that it's got something to say and it doesn't. It is my god, it is crap. It is ninety-two minutes long. And fuck, I would watch Strange Wilderness again back to back rather than watching that movie. Nice. Yep. Uh, on to the other one that I watched this week. Uh, I watched a film, a Sydney Lumiere film um, from 1990 called Q&A, which I was actually recommended uh, to me by um, one of our fitters uh, that, that works for us. Um, stars Nick Nolte, uh, Timothy Hutton, uh, and Armand uh, Asante. Uh, and Nick Nolte, uh, it's set in, well, it's... it's uh, 1990, so I'm guessing it was written in the late 80s and was starting filming either in the very early 1990 or the very late 80s. So, of course, Nick Nolte plays a tough uh, detective uh, in it. Um, at the start of the movie, Nick Nolte uh, essentially kills somebody and then plants a gun on him. And uh, we have Timothy Hutton is uh, a DA and this is his first case. He's brought in and basically told, look, this is cut and dry. It's a, you know, it's a standard cop shot him because he pulled a gun on him. Let's get it over and done with quickly. And then as Timothy Hutton, um, along with um, his assistants that are working with him, uh, the two detectives that are working and investigating with him, uh, played by Charles S. Dutton and Luis Guzman, uh, start investigating more and more. They start to notice that this isn't as cut and dry as it seemed, and they start to realise that Nick Nolte's character, uh, Mike Brennan, who everybody keeps going on about, is you know one of the best cops you'll ever meet, and is you know yeah he's tough but he's fair, and you know he's part of the old fucking guard, etc., etc. That, that maybe he's a little bit more on the bad side than he is on the good side, and needs to kind of be stopped with all this Nick Nolte is essentially just going around being very Nick fucking Nolte he's just going around threatening people and just being very Nick Nolte there's a great moment where he's having a conversation with uh, one of the heads of the um, Italian crime families and one of his kind of the, the head goons for this Italian crime family basically threatens Nick Nolte and Nick Nolte turns round to, turns round to him and says, Are you seriously threatening me? I eat guys like you and shit them out before breakfast. And the guy gets up to go for Nick Nolte. So Nick Nolte rips his shirt off him and pushes him over. And so nice. you see the guy is trying to put his shirt back together as Nick Nolte is just fucking just looking at him and quite literally just snarling at him. And like throwing a mouth at him, and it, it's it, it's it's glorious. And everything everybody says about Nick Nolte is, you know, I, I, I you know, he, he's a great cop, but I'll be honest, I'm really really scared of him. And you can fucking see why. Um, Timothy Hutton takes a, a big kind of 
jump into this case. His character goes into it because uh, one of the the lead witnesses, uh, who also happens to be um, a, a a dope dealer, um, called got a great fucking name. Uh, he's called uh, Texador, uh, played by Armin Asante. Uh, he's now married to Timothy Hutton's ex missus, so you've got that thrown in there as well. And it's one of those great kind of cop dramas where everybody seems to be on the take and it's this guy threatens this guy and that guy threatens that guy and it's done in quite a noiristic um, tone. Uh, but I watched it on um, Amazon Prime. I rented it for, for £3.49, which is the first time I've actually rented a movie off of Amazon Prime uh, and actually fucking paid for it. Uh, it, it, it is well worth £3.50, is what I will say. It's a really, really entertaining, really fucking gritty, proper good kind of Saturday, Sunday night movie to watch. Um, just over two hours, but fucking flies by. Nick Nolte is great. Timothy Hutton's great. You know, it, it makes you remember that Timothy Hutton at one point was, you know, he was hot shit, you know, and was going to be... I think, you know, he, he'd done... What was it he did with... Um, Taps he did with um, fuck. his name's escaped me now, uh, and it's going to be really irritating when I do it. Um, is it Taps? No, well, well, Tom Cruise is in Taps, Sean so. Penn, yeah, that was it. He did yeah. Taps with that, and you know, Timothy Hutton was, you know, you know, I remember saying Sean Penn saying, you know, everybody expected that Timothy Hutton was going to be the one who was going to go on to have, you know, the amazing career, and you know, that he was the hot shit, and then when you look at it, you know, the careers that, you know, that, that Tom Cruise, you know, possibly biggest movie star on the fucking planet, has gone on to have, and Sean Penn, you know, has, you know, has won Oscars, etc. You can see why people thought Timothy Hutton was, you know, the next big thing when you see him in sort of films like this. Um, it really is a, a fucking entertaining movie, and, you know, I would thoroughly, thoroughly recommend tracking it down. Yeah, nice. Um, I, I will. I will. Um, what? Oh, that is DOA. I'm thinking of uh, the Dennis Quaid one. Yes. Yeah. No. Okay. I, I always get those two confused. Yeah, I've never seen Q and A. Isn't it a remake? I think it is a or remake. DOA a remake. I think the DOA is remake. I think this had been made as a TV um, as a TV film a couple of years earlier. I think. Okay, right. Yeah. yeah, but also as well. Yeah. Um, no, I do need to. I do need to watch that. Yeah, it's very, very good. Um, there's a the, the only one kind of misstep is there's a song that plays on the opening credits that then plays a couple of times throughout the film that kind of feels a little bit incongruous to everything else you're kind of watching because it's a little bit of a kind of like jaunty little tune that's playing. Um, so that's probably the only misstep. But other than that, it, it's it's a very, very good, it looks great as well. Uh, very sort of entertaining, proper kind of crime um, thriller film. Yeah, nice. I um, Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Um, it's good that you actually paid for it as well on, on Amazon Prime. Well, I figured, you know, it's £3.49, um, and, you know, it, it, it's that easy to get, you know. It, yeah. Uh, you know, £3.49, I could quite easily have, have, have downloaded it, you know, rather than or, you know, rather than buy it on Blu-ray or, or whatever like that, which doesn't exist, you know. But 
fuck it. If the option's there, I'm going to go for that option. I'll, you know, I'm happy to pay £3.49 for a fucking movie. This is a movie that, is, that my experience for it was well worth the £3.49 that, that I've got. And if they did release a, a Blu-ray of this, I probably would buy it. Oh, fair play. Uh, on a tangent, actually, I've got to say, um, I have you seen the Mondo Steelbooks? Yes, I have. I ordered myself a couple yesterday. Oh, because oh, of course you've got a region. Uh, what is that, haven't you? Uh, region free. Player. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now I've got myself a region free player again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thirty quid on eBay, man. Ah, oh, the the, the 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 player. Yeah. Which ones did you go for? Yeah, that's uh drive the drive and uh, nice. oh yeah and pan's labyrinth have you seen that one no not actually. oh it's fucking crazy look it up i'll never look at them now yeah because I, I i think i might have to invest in the the, the first book one of those because it's staggeringly beautiful yeah that's nice as well i don't know i just like these steel books are i they look really, really nice, and they are proper, proper limited editions as well. Yeah. Um. I mean, like, the, I'm just looking at the, the Pan's Labyrinth one now. It's fucking. That is a striking image for the front of the Steelbook. That's it. The, 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 they're almost much. There is much. Oh, yeah, it's, it's, it's lovely that. Isn't it? Yeah. Uh, there is much kind of like a work of art as they are anything else. To be honest, the, the you know the Steelbooks. I don't like the when you get the generic Steelbooks. I don't bother with, with those, but. Stuff like that, that is stunning, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, yeah, no, exactly. I mean, the drive one's gorgeous as well. And, um, yeah, it's just a shame they don't um, sell these in the UK, really. Um, I mean, the the Pan's Labyrinth one cost me 23 quid, which I didn't think was that bad. The the drive one, the guy was selling, like, on, on... offer for 35 but he was saying buy it now or make offer i offered 30 and they went for it um and i i don't know it's like that's getting towards the the peak of what i would acceptably pay yeah i mean the first blood one because the shard dead one's nice as well actually yeah uh the first blood one i'd probably pay sort of i'd hit hit 30 quid and then i'd probably stop at 30 quid yeah yeah no exactly i mean you feel like I'd, i'd have to set myself a limit for the amount i would pay yeah, I, I think 30 is about the most I would pay for a steelbook, and it would have to be a really, 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 really nice one. Mm. Um, but, I mean, you've also got the added thing. Apparently, these Mondo ones are pretty much only available in um, uh, some of the... Uh, I think they're only available in Canada. Yeah, really. Best Buy. Yeah, um, which, which, I don't know, is... Really, really odd that it's Canada and not the US, but um, okay. Um, There's probably some ridiculous kind of rights issue thing there. Some, uh, uh, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's just it's it, it's kind of fascinating. I mean, I it's weird. I I try. I, I tend not to buy that many Blu-rays now, but. I got the I got the bug again a little bit this week, and I bought bought myself a few, and I just got the um, the Criterion of the Friends of Eddie Coyle, and it's just like that is never ever 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 going to be released in a better format than a Criterion Blu-ray. No, it's just it's not, it's not. They're probably not going to give that a 4K. 
Yeah, you know, I mean, I think that was like from a 2K master, you're not going to get a 4K. Because like with Ultra HD Blu-rays like starting to come out like the end of this year, it's going to be interesting to see what places like Arrow and Criterion actually do with that, whether they they actually bother and if they really release everything, uh, everything, you know. I don't know. I mean, I was reading a I was reading a crazy statistic yesterday that like I think only five percent of all disc sales in the UK are Blu-ray. Jeez. Um, and it's just people still buy DVD, then, aren't they? Yeah, people. Yeah, a lot of people still still do. You know, that's insane, though. Then again, you, you've got to kind of cop for a lot of the you know the supermarket fucking buyers. You know, those people who. You know, I mean, my my mum's a prime example for that. She she literally will, on a weekend, she'll go if she's in Tesco or something like that. She'll go and have a look and buy like two or three um, DVDs that are like three pounds that they can watch over the weekend, and she'll just look at it and go, "That looks all right." Or I've heard Mark mention that. I, I, I'll I'll get that because if she watches them and she don't like them, she'll give it to my nephew and you know, it, it builds up his collection or she'll, if, if I haven't got it, she'll say, do you want that or, or whatever or, you know, and from there, but, you know, they get there, you know, it's, you know, fuck it. Ten years ago, we used to go and rent um, a, a, a film for three pounds uh, for a, a weekend and now, you know, you can go to a supermarket and buy one. Yeah, it's not going to be a a new release or anything like that, like it would do the rental thing, but it, it'll probably be something that's probably been out, you know, within the past two years quite easily. Yeah, no, I mean, exactly. I mean, I don't know. It's just like when Ultra HD does come out, it's going to be, it is going to be interesting to see how much of a, a push it actually gets. Um, and I, I don't know. It just, whereas with DVD to Blu-ray, I was like, yeah, I will rebuy things. I kind of wonder if that's going to be the case with 4K. But, you know, assuming Fox put out, say, Alien, it's like, how am I not going to want that in 4K? Well, that's it. It's one of those things where I, right now I'll be going, do you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm fine with Blu-ray. Blu-ray looks amazing. I'm now at the point where I'm going, right, but I, was, I remember saying that with DVD. Um, so I'm going to look at something in, 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 on 4K and go, oh, actually, fuck it, you know what? You know, there you go. That's 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 incredible. You know, it, it's I, I don't know until I physically will see it. Um, but at the moment, I've I've, I've cooled my 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 buying um, quite significantly. Um, so I don't know. I'm I'm, I'm still. Still gonna try and just get stuff that I really, really fucking want, and stick to the the Club One Hundred theorem. Mm, which one day we'll actually get an episode? Yes. One day. <laughs> It'll uh, be epic. Um. Sorry, go on. No, no, no. So it's, 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 oh, it's bloody it's, right, Jesus Christ. Right. Uh, uh, yeah. Okay. Um, I'll do my uh, I'll do my last couple. So I uh, watched a couple of comedies. Uh, Trainwreck. Um, so yeah, it's the uh, Amy Schumer film. Um, and uh, I, I don't know. I think everybody kind of knows about Trainwreck by now. Um, so and you know, it only came out in the UK this weekend. So I'm sure quite a lot of people have probably heard quite a lot about it. So I would just say um, 
I think it's certainly better than Apatow's last couple of efforts. Um, I think Amy Schumer herself uh, plays a nice line in approachable, but also a dickhead. And I think she's actually playing that up a bit in this film. Um, I Like every single Apatow film, it is about 15, 20 minutes too long. Um, but it doesn't drag its heels as much as Funny People and This Is 40. I seem to remember they were both well over two hours. This is about two hours, but probably would have been better at 100 minutes. Um, the fun, I mean, I, I think the, fun, the people who are supposed to be funny in this film are funny, but the funniest people are LeBron James and um, John Cena, Cena, amazingly. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, John Cena is fantastic. He's not in it much. Uh, but there is a scene involving him in a cinema, which is in the trailer, but it goes on longer, which is amazing. Um, it's really funny. And uh, LeBron James has got a nice line in kind of understated. His character doesn't know he's being funny, um, but he but he kind of is kind of um, uh, line that I really enjoyed as well. Again, not in it as much as I was playing kind of it led to believe. Himself. Uh, who, sorry? LeBron James. Is he playing a version of himself? Yeah, he's playing LeBron James. Right, cool. Um, but, yeah, he's there's this kind of running joke about him being cheap, which um, I, I quite enjoyed, actually. Uh there's a bit with um, him and Bill Hader um, arguing about paying for lunch, which which I uh, which was solid. Um, but yeah, it does go down. There's some shit in the film that does feel quite autobiographical that isn't about um, her sex life and relationships, which does feel like yeah, that could well be cut, and you're not going to lose too much from it. Um, the ending also. If you're with it, great. If you're not, again, I could it could make your brain itch. Um, I Donna and I like we're a little bit on either side of of that. It is quite sweet, but it falls into some very generic rom com type stuff, and I don't know whether that was supposed to be like meta knowingness or just this is what they're gonna do. Um, I kind I kind of get the feeling it was it was kind of the latter, and again, I, I it just it doesn't quite click. It doesn't it doesn't feel as real as the rest of the film aims to be and mainly succeeds at being. Um, so yeah, it's funny. I, I laughed out loud several times. I had a I had a good solid time watching it. Um, uh, uh, yeah, that's about it. I will also I will just say. She gets a new job at one point towards the end of the film. And I find it very hard to believe that she could get a job at that place, considering how under what circumstances she left her last job. Those who have seen it know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Uh, There you go. Will watching it make me want to punch myself in the face repeatedly? Perhaps. Perhaps I see. I, I can't. If, if you if you just if you just don't like Amy Schumer, don't watch. I think she's okay. a. I've I, I not liked. I'm, I mean, I'm not seen her a lot, but I, I do think she's one of those people who thinks she's a lot funnier than she actually fucking is. Um, and so she could grate on me. Um, but 
I, I kind of want to see it for, for LeBron James, um, just because I've heard he's actually really quite quite entertaining in it. Uh, and of course, you know, he, he's he's uh, he's a, a, a small minority stakeholder in Liverpool Football Club, so I kind of want to, you know, for some reason, there's a tenuous link to my kind of weird psyche of that, of I kind of want to see who this fucking guy is, because I know very little about him. Yeah, no, I mean, he's... He's good, and like I say, John Cena's good. Everybody's really good in the film. It just it kind of it does seem to be the hot film at the moment, and I am a little bit I am a little bit cooler on it than than some people are. But again, it's 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 Apatow's best film in like in nearly ten years. Yeah. So there's that. I also watch it because I feel like I, I should have an opinion on it, and you know. I'm absolutely open to the fact that I might watch it and come out of it and go, do you know what? I, 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 I was I was wrong to think it. But that, that was actually quite entertaining. It was all right, you know. So I, I, I will watch it um, and I will go into it with very, very open arms and open mind. We'll see how it goes. Yeah. Um, and um, lastly for this week, uh, Ted 2. Um which I, I thought was all right. Um, it, it kind of seems it, it, that that really was the came and went film of of the summer. It just it didn't seem to make any impression whatsoever. Yeah, and like it, it kind of feels like it didn't even come out. Um, and yeah, I mean it's 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 all right. It, I like that McFarlane basically it's about uh, uh, kind of going to court to argue for his civil rights. Um, because he's deemed to be property and not an act, not a person. Uh, but along the way, you've got um, uh, him taking the piss out of Amanda Seyfried because she looks like Gollum, and uh, which is pretty good. Um, and uh, a musical interludes, and you know, there's a song and dance number at one point, and it, of course there is. It's yeah, yeah, it's McFarlane doing his McFarlane thing. Um, but I like that. In a way, I like that he's actually trying to make some serious points in this goofy film. But again, it kind of feels like he's trying to say, look, I'm making serious points in this goofy film. And you don't really want that. You want Ted and Mark Wahlberg taking the piss out of each other and having fights um, and, and, you know, just kind of big dicks to people. Like, that's what I liked about Ted. I like the hanging outness of it. This one actually kind of feels like it's in thrall to its, uh, to its actual overarching story a bit too much. And I'm, I'm not massive on that. Um, it also, slight spoiler alert, the third act again has Giovanni Rabisi stealing Ted and then Mark Wahlberg having to like rescue him. Uh, which I don't know. I really, feels a little bit lazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it it kind of does. Um, but I, yeah, I mean, I I didn't hate it. I laughed. I, I laughed several times. There's a running joke about you only being two steps away from black cocks on the internet, which um, <laughs> I, I I actually thought was pretty good. But I will say. There are quite a few punchlines in the film that end with something about black people. And it is a bit 
are we just good for an easy laugh here? Or it kind of actually feels like Seth MacFarlane's uh, picking on black people a bit. Um, and I mean, I, I, I don't know. It's I, again, I mean, like if you offend everybody, then you can't say that you're actually kind of pointing anybody out. But I, I don't know. It, it, it feels slightly distasteful. Um, in, in not the way that I think McFarlane was particularly going for. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's fine. We're not, obviously, we're not going to have a Ted Free now. I think the, uh, the steam's completely gone out of that kettle. But, um, for, for what it was, I laughed. It's an hour and 55 minutes, which is kind of brutal. Um, there's, it's a long time. and it, yeah, there's, there's an interlude in like a, a barnyard or a farm, um, in the middle of the night, which, goes on far too long. Um, but, you know, it's got, it, it's got Ted calling Amanda Seyfried Gollum. Um, it's got Mark Wahlberg in a, a fertility clinic, um, having a load of bottles of uh, pots of cum fall on him. And then the cum will explode on him. You know, it's just, it's that. It made me laugh. <laughs> I like a haunted house too. If I was going to watch a comedy um, tonight and I was going to watch Ted 2 or Trainwreck, which one would I watch? Trainwreck without... Which one would you watch? Which which, which one? Or which one should you Which one should I watch? Oh, Trainwreck. It's a a, a better film, without question. Oh, my God, yes. Oh, my God, yes. Right. Yes. 100,000% yes. But Ted 2, I also laughed. Fair enough. <laughs> it's it, like it, three out of five. Train wreck is probably a four out of five if I'm thinking about it. Ted two, three, straight down the line three. Now yeah, well, that's three. Three's three's watchable, but three is watchable in in, in the terms of, of I might watch it on like a fucking day off when I'm when I've just got out of the shower and I'm eating breakfast. I watched it at ten o'clock this morning and I was hungover. Yeah, that that seems like a good time to watch this kind of movie. I'm off work on Tuesday, I have a rare weekday off, uh, and, and so I may watch it then. Nice. Ooh. Do you have any more? I don't know. That, that's that's it. I'm 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 out of out of shit that I have watched. Okay, we shall do some feedback and then get the fuck out then, because we've got feedback. Yes. We've got an email. Um, Gareth Clark, who uh, we have not heard from before, and he says, Dear fine sirs, I have been listening from day one, but this is the first feedback and question I've sent. What can I say? I'm massively lazy. Anyway, love the show, but I have a couple of podcast-related questions. I have recently moved jobs, and I can no longer listen to as many hours of podcasts as I did in my previous work, so I've had to cut some of the lesser casts from my list. Obvious ones such as uh, Dam and CVSP. Uh, obviously, Chinchuri versus Punter are keepers, as are things like How Did This Get Made? Uh, this is right in Mark's wheelhouse with some of the shit he watches. Nice. And not forgetting Kermo. Uh, um, so I was wondering, what are your must-listen-to podcasts these days? And do we review ever listen to any non-movie casts? The Bugle is a great listen, in my opinion. Keep up the great work. Um, Gareth in Mansfield. Uh, thank you, Gareth. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I listen to... I don't listen to a lot of non-film related podcasts in fairness, but, um, I listen to like five live 606 football phone in, 
because uh, I enjoy hearing people going off on one and then Robbie Savage just calling them idiots, basically. Um, that makes me laugh. Um, uh, in terms of film podcasts, let me bring up my thingy. Well, do, I, do you want to go? Yeah, I, I, I actually don't listen to that many film podcasts anymore. I, I, I do listen uh, to uh, CBSP, obviously. Um, I occasionally listen to uh, Kermode. Um Beyond that, I, I don't tend to listen to too many uh, film podcasts. Just because in the case of um, I, I found myself um, getting angry by them. Um, I used to listen to the, the British Nellis podcast. I should be able to pay well now, I think. Uh, but I'd happily pay for it because I, I did thoroughly enjoy it. In terms of um, non-film related ones, uh, I listen to a bunch of fucking football podcasts. So... I listen to the the game, uh, which is the Times uh, football podcast. I listen to Football Weekly, which is the uh, Guardian's football podcast. Oh, oh yes, so do I. Yeah. Yes, um, I listen Sorry. to uh, the Football Ramble. Um, I listen to Sky uh, Sunday Supplement. Uh, I don't. I used to watch Sunday Supplement on a Sunday morning, uh, but now um, I, I I like listen to that on a podcast. I listen to it on, on my way to work on a Monday morning. Uh, there's also a Liverpool-related podcast I listen to called The Anfield Rap, uh, which actually has a, a player as well, which is behind a paywall, which you pay for, that has a bunch of fucking shows on it, um, and that's called The Tour Player. And so that's got about... There's about kind of um, five or six shows a week on that. So I listen to that. So they pretty much fucking take up all of, all of my time. Uh, also, the uh, the Blizzard um, do sporadic podcasts that are, are, are really quite good. So most of mine are, are football-related, which makes no sense because um, I stopped listening to as many film podcasts because they, they angered me. Um, and now I listen to a lot of football podcasts that anger me probably fucking even more <laughs> than the film ones did. Um, so, yeah, I, I listen to a, a, a bunch of football ones. Um, and... You know, I, I commend people like like Noel, who's, who is this this season trying to kind of take a step back from football because I said that I was going to do it, and so I said I'm going to have this season where I'm not going to I'm not going to let it fucking rule uh, the next nine months of my of my life, um, and fuck that went fucking out of the window um, straight away. <laughs> so yeah, I I, I wish uh, with football that I didn't give a shit. And I try to not give a shit, but the, the fact fucking still remains that I really, really do give a shit. Nice. Um, I'm going to actually down, like listen to Sunday Supplement when, when I'm out taking lots for our evening stroll. So uh, I forgot that that was listen to, uh, this podcast, so I will be listening to that. Yeah, it's a great listen to it's Sunday Supplement. I, I thoroughly enjoy it, even though I do find myself getting really fucking angry with it. Yeah. Nice. Um, I, I brought up my list of podcasts. Um, uh, yeah, uh, Film Junk Podcast, uh, which is my uh, perennial. Um, I fucking Film Junk, they are super, super fucking funny. Well, um, I, I, will, I will add that to the list and give them a go, because a lot of people recommended that to me. I've just never got around to actually fucking listening to it. So I'm, 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 like, I'm, I'm going to make a list while you're reading those out. Yeah, Film Junk. Yeah, yeah that, that, it's, it's good. Um, in wire screen talk the uh, the indie wire uh, podcast which is very very inside baseball and quite a lot about um uh like uh, distribution and Ooh, um what films are getting pick, uh, getting picked up by what labels and like oscar campaigns and stuff yeah, oh. but uh, yeah it's i really enjoy it actually um the empire magazine film podcast which is 
Yeah, no, it's 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 get, get, just give it like one listen, and if you don't like it, then just unsubscribe. Um, uh, the Empire Film Podcast, which is which is fine. Um, the Kermode one, um, obviously, um, even though um, Edith Bowman's been presenting. Oh wow, well, Kermode's doing his uh, for the last few weeks, yeah, and I'm not a massive fan of hers. How can you have? How can because it's basically summer holidays. Yeah, how can you have Edith Bowman? Um, Presenting it. This is a woman who freely admitted that she uh, didn't like behind the candelabra, uh, candelabra. Um, so uh, read her emails while she was watching it instead. Yeah, actually in the cinema. Yeah, she got yeah she got a lot of shit for that. I remember should, that. Should, it also also I will say at the end of this week's podcast, which is the last one she's doing before um, before Kermode's back. Um, they, they like they every week on the podcast at the end, Kermo de Mayo like put on a song, uh, like one that's kind of been mentioned in the show, and then they they kind of play it. At the end of this one, she was like, "Right, we're going to do something new. Uh, I don't think it's uh, I don't think it's usually done this, but we're we're going to have some music at the end of the show." And it's just like, "Right, do your homework. If you're going to be presenting this show for a few weeks, and this actually." It's not just Edith Bowman. A lot of the guests, the, like the filling presenters, do this. They, they, like, there are things like in people's emails and stuff that they don't understand that are kind of like almost like in jokes and things like that. It's just do your homework. You should, you should know that this is some, this is a thing, you know. And it, it, that does bug me. But uh, Robbie Collins been um, on the, the the film critic side the last few weeks and they they actually have pretty good back between them and they obviously like each other so that's good but it's just it is it like edith bowman i don't don't really get the impression she's so super massively into films i might i might be wrong but she doesn't give that impression on the radio but hey um anyway ign keeping it real podcast which is ign's weekly uh podcast and it's basically just genre news a lot of superhero news stuff but i I've been listening to that for years. Like again, I quite enjoy the host on that. Tunes Dragon versus Punter, obviously. Um, Q and A with Jeff Goldsmith, which is uh, kind of a weekly. He does like uh, he he presents films and then has like the writers or directors or whatever out to like talk about them and he kind of records them. Uh, really good. Um, American Cinematographer podcast, but they they don't really put out all that often. Uh, Junk Food Cinema, which is. Um, uh, Brian Salisbury, I believe his name is, and um, C. Robert Cargill, um, who used to write for Ain't It Cool, and he actually wrote Sinister. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, they do a weekly podcast about genre cinema. I, You might like that, actually. Um, it's it, it's pretty solid. Um, a couple of KCRW podcasts, uh, Hollywood Breakdown in the Business, again, very inside baseball stuff. Uh, the Golden Briefcase, which is uh, Film School Rejects' podcast. They only put out intermittently these days um i mean like they haven't had one out for weeks so there you go i've only got a few left uh the criterion cast which i quite enjoy uh the canon which uh, um is dem Farachi and amy nicholson um uh, i think she writes for the la times in the u.s dem Farachi, very, very polarizing figure on the internet if you don't like dem Farachi, just don't even bother um but the guy knows his stuff uh yeah the guy knows his stuff he just he has quite an abrasive way of saying it, but um, I, I do quite enjoy that. Uh, the Row Free Cinecast, which I um, enjoy. Um, again, some of the people on that might write, rub you up the wrong way, but they've got good camaraderie. They they know their shit. 
Um, and uh, one of the guys on it, he writes for uh, Twitch.net. Um, and uh, it, it's a good pod. But I've been listening to that one for years. And uh, Film Spotting, which I, I listen to every now and then. Yeah. Fuck, okay, I used to listen to that like five years ago. You know, yeah, I, I, I saw this about two, three years ago. Um, but I, I, mean, I, I don't know why I started listening to it. was quite an enjoyable uh, podcast to listen to, actually. I mean, actually, I didn't know it was still going. It's all the same guys. Yeah. Um, one of them's the same guy. The other one, they had the original co-host, and then he dropped out and somebody else took his place. I stopped listening to Film Spotting for a while, and in that time, he's dropped out and been replaced by somebody else as well. Um, and they also actually have, um, they have a, a separate, they have a spin-off podcast called um, Film Spotting Streaming Video Unit, um, which is actually uh, which is actually all right as well. Um yeah, I mean, good on them, the, the film spotting guys. They they really made that work, and uh, I think I think they're the longest running pod, uh, film podcast on the internet. And uh, yeah, like I say, good on them. Uh, so yeah, there you go. Um, I listen to a lot of film podcasts. You do, yeah. I'm going to check out a few of those. And I'll get back to you on them. Junk food cinema. I genuinely think you'll enjoy. Um, I, I like, I really, I really do actually. They, um, they had a recent episode on Running Scared. Um, oh, yeah. I, I, here are some of the ones they've done recently: Adventures in Babysitting, Punisher War Zone, um, Running Scared, uh, Tango and Cash. Um, uh, but then they did Ten Things I Hate About You. Can't hardly wait. Uh, they did a special episode just on James One. Um. They did an episode, uh, kind of like the the Romero crazies versus the remake crazies. Um, it's I don't know, it's all sorts of stuff. Oh, um, the Tango and Cash one's actually funny. Um, yeah, yeah, no, it's good. And uh, like I say, the IndieWire one, you were sounding interested in that. Yeah. It is very, very inside baseball. See, that's what but, I um, sound about it. Yeah, yeah, but um, yeah, it's enjoyable. Uh, so yeah, there you go. Hope that was some recommendations for people. Cool, cool. And uh, thank you very much for the email as well, Gareth. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, lovely. Thanks. It was a big surprise actually seeing a fucking email in there that wasn't spam. Yeah, thank, and thanks for listening. Uh, yeah, obviously, yeah. Glad, glad Indeed. Um, that missed that. Nope. I just say, say, say glad we've got, we've got people who've been there from the beginning. Oh, no, absolutely. You're fucking right. Um, okay, so... That's the end of the show. Next week, um, are we doing vacation? I could, I, I could gladly do vacation. Just, just, just. I, d- I, I thought that was gonna. I thought that was gonna be a bit of a gimme for you. I thought that would be like, yeah, we're doing vacation. Yeah, is there anything else out there? Isn't is there? I don't think there's an awful See, the thing yeah. is, I, I'm very happy to do vacation because I, I love the vacation movies. But I also, I, I don't want to force you to go and see a movie that you really don't want to see. No. So, yeah, I, I, I'm happy. I'm, 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 I'm being looking forward to it. Yeah, go on. We'll do vacation because, like, you obviously actually want to see it and... Um... I don't know, maybe I'll be surprised. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, no, neither do I. But, we'll, you know, we'll see. We'll see. So, next week, we'll do vacation because...
Fucking hot. And, uh, yeah, that's about all that I've got to say today. Um, Mark, anything else? No, that's that, that's everything. Um, yeah, yeah. Good, that's a, a, a healthy portion of the show done, which was, which was a lot of fun, you know. But we would have recorded the other bit on a different day, but I'm sure that'll be equally as excellent. Yes, yes. And, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing what you, uh, what you think of, um, uh, of Man From U.N.C.L.E., I must say. Because, obviously, at this point, Mark hasn't seen it yet, but you'll know, you'll, when listening to this, you'll know what Mark thought of it. I hope he liked it, because I did. I, 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 I really hope I like it. I, as, as everything, I, I always hope that I like things. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, there we go. Um, do the monkey at gmail.com. Somebody wrote in. So yes! Why, why don't you? Yes. And uh, at Ian Loring, at Dude Foz, at Dude the Monkey, and uh, that's going to do it. Thank you. Bye. Bye.